This podcast tells the stories behind the craft breweries across the country. I'm Erica. Matt. And sound guy Ryan. And you're listening to an episode of Brew Roots. Yo, what's up? What's up? We are all still recovering from our oh, seltzer my God. mania. And oh, let's be honest, mania. there are laws when there are claws. There have to okay, be. Okay. Yes. Guys, we're not living in... Hot damn. And uh, we're welcoming back our... Turns out to be like a perennial guest. Uh, yeah. So this week, um, you are French, French expert. So we've dealt with beer yeah. expert Mike. Yep. Seltzer, Seltzer Mike. Seltzer Mike. Seltzer Mike. We don't have... He wasn't an he's expert. A, he's I'll just, do respect. Fuck yeah. those guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now we have uh, we have French French expert Mike this week. So... Uh, mm, bonjour. Bonjour. Jean-Martin. Je m'appelle Michel. Oh, wow. Did oh, you take French Michel. in high school? Oh, oui. Oui. Oui, oui. Un petit peu. And we're taking... We, I'm done. I'm done with my yeah. French. Guys. Okay, <laughs> so cool. Cool. Uh, You're expert. And this episode is actually um, not our first episode outside of New England. It is it not. It is not. But it is our first episode down south. Yes, it is. Oh, so originally we were supposed to do Lone Pine, um, but after... We're changing it up, folks. Yeah, we... We're going to... Much discussion. Yeah, much discussion. We're going to combine a couple of interviews um, instead of just the one... Uh, so today we are going to be interviewing Erica. Who? Whoa. What? Who? Me? Who, yeah. yeah. Who? Because oh. you were the one who conducted this interview. Oh, I when did. You I went. conducted. It was it. your <laughs> part of your scholarship, correct? Yeah. So yeah. I was down in New Orleans for my Pink Boots scholarship for the ASBC. Is, is that how you say it? New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. All right, cool. No. Yeah, New Orleans. I, I was actually definitely cor- corrected. Yes. Um, when I was in New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. Yep. New Orleans. Yep. Not in a rude way, but people definitely were like, "What do you mean, no. you person <laughs> from the north?" <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, when well, I was down there, I of course had to hit up all the breweries in the area because that's just what you do when you travel. Well, yeah. Yep. Um, right. So I went and visited Parlow Brewery and you, I messaged Eric, who's the brewer there and owner on a whim and was like, are you guys around? He's like, yeah, we're brewing this morning. Come join. I'm like, fuck yeah. So I went, helped brew a batch of beer and interviewed Eric and it was awesome. And their beer's amazing. Yeah. I, I can't they wait were making to solid brews, which I feel like, I know I was concerned cause it's so far South and it's just so hot down there. Sure. I just was like. Do you have the technology yeah. to even make good beer? Like, I, mean, yep. I don't know. Yeah. Lots of swampland down yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. Humidity. Swampland. I would be yeah. very concerned. Just humidity. And that like time of the year, it everything. was insanely hot. It was yeah. June. Oh, my God. Wow. Um, but their beer is amazing. So they're doing some really cool shit. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited to listen through the um Right. Something whole, completely different. Right. Yeah. I had never heard of them before. I'm yeah. sure none of you guys have. So. No, I definitely haven't. Right. I'm, so, yeah. pretty cool. It's been a pretty great week for you, Erica, because you had your presentation it's on Tuesday. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, How yeah. terrifying was that? Oh, my God. Um, if you're listening yeah. for the first time, Erica <laughs> is a very prominent member in so Pink prominent. Boots. Uh, yeah. And Pink Boots uh, Women's Society for Beer in yep. Massachusetts. Boston Chapter mm-hmm. fucking rules. Shout yeah. out to Bree. Liz, all the people that are part of Pink Boots, whoa, whoa. they're awesome. Um, but you got to present on your on my scholarship, scholarship yeah. for New Orleans. Yeah, um, it and was awesome. So I did a little hop sensory, and that was really cool. Actually, I was surprised at how many people 
I mean, I thought it'd be fun and different because it's kind of hands-on, but a lot of people actually enjoyed it. And some people were like, I actually learned something from this and I'm taking this back to my brewery and presenting this to them. I'm like, that's yeah. wow. That's awesome. That's, that's the whole fucking point, awesome. Right. Yeah. I was yeah. so excited. Like that people like really dug it. Um, yeah. Yeah. that's why so I love doing really presentations cool. on something you're passionate about. Right. Um, yeah. Cause even yeah. if you're talking to people that have the same passion, the chances are is that they will learn something. Totally. New. Totally. Even if it's one thing. Yeah. Um, you get to take that away, especially when exactly. they come up to you and they're like, hey, I learned this. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You know, they thank you. And then you're like, I feel good. I'm going to go home and yeah. just rock on. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, exactly. And Night Shift hosted, right? And Night Shift hosted. So shout out to you guys. You rock. And there are a few guys there actually supporting women visiting our uh, meeting. So that was really cool. Appreciate you guys from Night Shift hanging out with us. And yeah, it was amazing. Yes. I had a great time. So Sounds good. To go along with Hop Sensory, we have been taking our Cicerone course. Cicerone. And yeah. which doesn't really get into Hop Sensory. It's more how to serve. It like, yeah, it kind of like briefly talks it, about. Yeah, it briefly talks like, about it. Yeah. There's hops and beers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way. <laughs> By the way, beers fun fact. Yeah. Unless it's a yeah, gruit. Heads up, you Unless guys. it's a gruit, which yeah. we right. learned. Right. We learned Good a while job. back. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. Right. Uh, <laughs> No, seriously. But uh, as you guys are knowing, we are, are expanding our palates and learning how to become better beer drinkers, uh, more yeah. informed mm-hmm. beer drinkers. Because yeah. that's a that's an important thing I think in this industry is become more I think informed. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like actually knowing what you're drinking and talking about, I think is semi important. Yeah. Not just throwing out and be like, oh my god, so happy, dude. <laughs> I only drink like pure. All right, and you got you guys are gonna be proud of me. You guys are gonna be super proud Ooh, of me. Are we? I'm always proud of you, Ryan. I haven't bought an IPA for almost a month. Like, Ryan's a recovering, know this guy recovering IPA. I don't alcoholic. even know who this is. I, I have been buying Kolsch's, Pilsner's, Lagers. I had your Amber earlier. That was delicious. Amber, yeah, yeah, I've been going hard on anything but yeah. an IPA. We're wow. so proud of him. Yeah, thanks. Our right. boy's growing up. <laughs> Yeah. They're just way better. <laughs> I like I'm I I now Aww. realize they are so much better. Yeah. Um and much more enjoy and I understand why the lager is the brewer's beer. You yeah. know what's awesome though? Yeah. Like I get it. I do truthfully feel like um the lagers, the Kolsch's, those beers hold up better in our craft master growler. Oh, totally. 100%. You know, it's like 100%. after a couple of weeks, like a, a hoppy beer even in cans doesn't taste mm-hmm. as good if it's no. you know less than like two weeks fresh. So I can't imagine in a Craftmaster growler a hoppy beer is going to taste as good. It'll probably taste great still. What about a seltzer? Ooh, I don't know about <laughs> that. But um, but no, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I just had a double IPA. Um, my uh, advisor from BU gave a can. It was somewhere up in Vermont. Um, and it was pretty good, but I could tell that it was different. Um, because it was sitting there for a while. Mm. So I totally agree with you yeah, on that. But um, if you guys are more curious, like, what the hell is this Craftmaster Growler? And you're listening for the first time, check out craftmastergrowler.com. And if you're interested, uh, use our promo code CRAFT88 to get 10% off the Craftmaster Growler. And I can't say enough awesome things about it. I enjoy every time that Erica brings it here. And they're coming out with a homebrew extension to help give you no oxidation in your homebrew it's when it's be traveling lit. to the Craftmaster Crawler. So lit. Especially right now, what I'm about to try 
is a so that's a homebrew. It's, it's our, a homebrew. It's our mystery it beer. Is. Yeah, it's it all the only thing I know about yeah. it. It is that is a homebrew. Yeah, so that was brewed at a beer and wine hobby shop. Cool. Shout Shout out. Out. And uh, Matt and I brewed that, and we kegged it, Not and then me. we bottled it off the keg, and that's what it is. Yeah. Ooh. Great. Yeah. So this so is cool. gonna, this yeah. is going to be the first time. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be as uh, satisfying as opening a so can. I had one recently. It, it's not as satisfying as opening a can. No, that, that's, that's what I'm going to say. True. Is I'm opening a bottle. A bottle. So it probably won't sound as nice, but you can try it. We can try it. I you just try it. I just need some silence. Some serious silence. Silencio. How did I pop at the end? Yeah, yeah, if I didn't hit the mic. Eight out of ten. <laughs> Eight out of ten. Uh, so, Ryan, what does the beer smell like? And I'd like to smell as well because I feel like I have no clue what this is. Um, hold on. I smell like cinnamon nutmeg. Interesting. Ooh, okay. In there. It's mm, a good start. May I, I get a sniff? Uh, yeah, I don't French, know what I French smell. French Mike wants some over here. Mm. No, no. Mm. Michel. Por favor. That's Spanish. That's Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, French X or Mike. Cibu play? They're both Latin-based languages. Is it Cibu play? <laughs> yes, Cibu yeah. play. Do you only smell... Wait, why are you smelling in both because sides? Because itching... <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He is Mike is, so, he is smelling specifically out of one nostril at a really time. Was. He really my left brain and right brain. He has weak oh, nostrils, okay. okay? Thanks for bringing it up. Now I can't not smell like the nutmeg yeah, shit. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. think it's nutmeg, but... Um, it's pumpkin spice time, baby. Uh, okay. And, and you <laughs> literally just get, probably gave away the beer. Because no, now that you said I that, didn't. it is totally pumpkin oh spice. Well, try it. Just try it. Stop smelling I'm gonna, it. Oh, I'm going to hate this. If it's pumpkin, <laughs> it, it's like the next. I'm going to try it because you're, you're nope, killing me. No, nope. <laughs> it's the next thing. I hate more than dessert and pastry stouts. Oh, really? It That's aggressive. Pumpkin spice. Have you been to um, CBC's Great Pumpkin Fest? Because it's amazing. Because we're going this I'm taking you there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good face. It's the best face. It's a good sip no, face. There's something in there that shouldn't be in there. In oh, a... yeah. No offense, uh, beer and wine hobby, but. Not a fan. <laughs> what does Matt think over and here? Matt's face also says the same thing, I think. Well, is there something wrong with it? We just don't like That's it, That's a though. snickerdoodle ale. What? I don't know. It tastes like snickerdoodles. <laughs> it definitely tastes like an ale. Has that kind of ale Yeah, it's definitely an ale. Let me, let, me, let me get a little bit of this. I don't think Remind Erica myself. actually knows what is the fuck it is. Is there, I do, I do, is there but... clover in there? Clove? No, it's not. Clove. No. Did you did you crush up clove cigarettes and put them yeah, in there? Right. Did you just wave it around a bunch of goths at a football game? <laughs> I mean, it's a little old. I don't think there's anything else wrong with the beer. Um, so you let us know what it is. But it's just a ginger spice beer. Okay, so I could have been right with clover. There's sometimes yeah, yes. You could be tasting that clove. I wasn't that close. You were. You nutmeg. did. No, you nutmeg. said nutmeg. 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 Yeah, there's okay. nutmeg in that too. I'm pretty sure. And I was okay. close to snickerdoodle. Mm, well, gingerbread, snickerdoodle, same family. Uh, Both involved. Yeah. Loving it. No, I'm all, I'm all good. Yeah. So what was it? What's it's, was it? An ale? It's like a ginger snap ale. Okay, so yeah. we were right with ginger ale. Ginger snap. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yep. Not bad. 
Yeah, no, it's not bad. I mean, you, again, you, it's old. It's not fresh. I'm going to be honest. I so, don't think I would like knowing, it even if it was fresh. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. my thought process is if I saw that on a menu. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and I, it was and a dead I of winter, knew, let's be honest. Right? And I winter. knew that it was ginger snap going into it. Yeah. I think my brain would be like, I can taste the ginger snap. But, yeah. but blindly going into it. You went with snickerdoodle. I went with snickerdoodle. Mm. You, with, you know, I, I accept that. I would get it. I'll I'd get that. that. Yeah. I would get that. Do you have more? I actually like it. No, I do have more. Mm-hmm. I'll bring a six pack next week. Yeah, I'm all good. I'd have like one. Like, <laughs> I'd have one. I'd yeah. have one. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Cool. cool. <laughs> but shout out to uh, you guys. Thanks. Well yeah. done. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so okay. before we get on to our episode with solo our episode, was good friends. Me. It's Par- just Eric. Well, our good and friend Eric. Eric from Parlo Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. We have a couple oh. words from our sponsors. Take it away, sound guy. This week's episode would not be possible without our amazing sponsor, Shirts on Tap. Each month, they team up with breweries from across the country and create a custom shirt and deliver it to your doorstep, along with stickers and coupons. Sign up today using the promo code BREWROOTS for $5 off your first box. Head on over to shirtsontap.com today. And remember, drink better beer, wear better shirts. You looking to get into a new hobby? Oh, yeah. Sure thing. Well, Erica, where can we do that? Go down to Beer and Wine Hobby. Ooh. And what can we get there? Everything you need to start your homebrew journey. And we'll help you along that journey by using our promo code, BREWROOTS, to get 10% off your next order. Visit beer-wine.com to start your homebrew journey today. All right, welcome again. This is my fifth and last day in New Orleans, and it has been amazing. Although I am exhausted and ready to get some sleep because I have been out crazy late drinking amazing beer every night this week. So it's been awesome. Um, so I am here at Parlo Beer Lab with Eric, and he's going to take it away here. Just introduce yourself, where we're at, your role here, and the most important question your first memory of beer. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, my name is Eric Jensen. I'm the owner and head brewer here at Parlo Beer Lab. We're in uh, we're in the Bywater neighborhood of New Orleans, um, and uh, yeah, we're a small uh, on-site only brewery, and we brew all t- different types of beer. Um, we've been open for just over two years now. So, what was that awesome. question? Uh, your first memory of beer. Oh, I don't know. I grew up in Grand Rapids, <laughs> Michigan, so I've been around okay. beer for a long time. So, uh, honestly, probably my first memory of beer, I'm not going to lie, is Colt 45. Yeah, um, that's cool. <laughs> I was uh, at an age that I probably shouldn't have been uh, drinking yep. Colt 45, yep. but I remember uh, uh, very vividly uh, sipping on that beer and uh, actually thinking it was fantastic at the time. Wow. Wow. That doesn't usually happen. So cool. <laughs> nice. All right. So then if you actually liked the beer, then were you sold? Is that the plan? Uh, You're going to grow up and get into beer? <laughs> uh, well, you know, fast forward 25 years later. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I've uh, loved beer for a long time. Uh, I, you know, um, uh uh, love all different types of fermentation and, yeah. uh, and different types of alcohol that are produced. But the one thing that always brings me back to beer is I just think it's the people's drink. I think mm, it's totally. uh, uh, the un- unassuming uh, part about beer. Uh, it's uh, it's an everyday drinking 
uh, thing. I just, uh, uh, I love being around it. It's uh, for sure. amazing. For sure. That's kind of what brings us all here, you know. Um, but what, what was the original plan then? You went to school maybe, you were going for engineering like everyone else? Uh, <laughs> I didn't actually come out of engineering, although we have those types around here. Of course. Uh, you know, I uh, like a lot of people who own breweries, uh, I had a, a first career. Um, yep. So yep. growing up in Michigan, being around beer, I went, went to Michigan State, uh, okay. was actually a political philosophy guy, nice. uh, and kind of uh, in a roundabout way ended up working in uh, the education scene here in New okay. Orleans for the last 15 years cool. and uh, was a part of uh, doing a lot of like education policy work. I uh, was a part of a nonprofit here that did some cool work. Um, but yeah, after 15 years, I uh, turned to my wife, Leah, one day and said, hey, what do you think about opening a brewery? <laughs> she knew how much I loved to, yep. to make beer on the side. Okay. And she All said, right. hell yeah, let's do it. That's and awesome. so, uh, yeah, we did. So we found this uh, place. We knew we wanted it to be a neighborhood brewery. Yep. We didn't want to be a production style. Local watering hole. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yep. We wanted to be kind of like... Um, we wanted to be in a neighborhood, so it kind of felt like we were the fabric. We definitely are. Yeah. So, <laughs> which is yeah. cool. Which is yep, cool. for sure. And, uh, I mean, one of the thing, cool things, uh, uh, goals that I think we've achieved is uh, we welcome all walks of life into the brewery. Uh, sure. That includes families. That includes, like, every type of person you see walking on the streets yep. of New Orleans, which, if you spend any time Very here, eclectic. you know, can, <laughs> can be literally any type yes. of person. Yes, yes. That's so awesome. Um, how long did it take you guys to find this place? Was it pretty bing bam boom? You just kind of uh, well, you know, in the or? the 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 world and the narrative of opening a brewery, there's a lot of ups and downs. But I think uh, one of the hardest parts for us, and I think probably isn't an uncommon story, is finding a location. It's really mm -hmm. hard. You know, I had the business sure. plan together. You know, getting the financing was, uh, you know, we got through that. But finding a location was really hard, especially since we knew we wanted to be in a, in a neighborhood. Yeah, I feel you like know, it would be really difficult. Uh, and we're really sensitive to, you know, being the right fit in a neighborhood. Uh, we want to be somewhere where we're welcomed. So yeah. uh, and then take into account, like, you know, zoning. Um, so long story short, it took us like a year to find a spot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we found this place and it's perfect. We love the neighborhood. Um, yeah, it's great. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so yeah, tell me about the name. You're telling me about that a little bit before. Where does it come from? Meaning behind it? Yeah. You? Parlo. Again, yeah. naming a brewery. Uh, so. One of our favorite parts, right? Yeah. You go through a lot of iterations and, uh, um, naming things. We've made over a hundred beers here and, yep. you know, naming beers is, uh, I hate it. Uh, so anyways, but Parlo, no, I yep. love the name Parlo. We, uh, I forget like kind of how I stumbled upon it, but you know, um, my wife speaks a little bit of French and, okay. uh, you know, we're in a French speaking city Place, or, for sure you know, with a lot of history of French. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so par we were in the Bywater neighborhood. Uh, and so kind of thinking about being in the Bywater neighborhood, we, uh, uh, kind of smashed two French words together, par and low, by the water. Okay. Uh, and so parlo means is a really rude, rough translation of by the water. Yeah. We're in the bywater neighborhood. We are literally, um, you know, uh, maybe a couple hundred yards from the Mississippi River. Yep. And so we are yep. right by the water. And so um, kind of a meaningful. And then beer lab, you know, uh, we, uh, we like to do experiment with a lot of different beers. Okay, I was uh, going to ask you about that instead of Parlo Brewery. Yeah. Beer, beer lab. lab. Uh, we like to experiment a lot. Um, so we, I do love science despite, okay. despite being a philosophy <laughs> major. Um, yep. so the two brewers that we have here, Corey and, uh, 
uh, Chuck both have uh, science backgrounds. Okay. And so, um, gaps. yeah. And, you know, we, and we kind of take a, you know, there is a, a lot of art in putting a, a recipe together, For but sure. at the end of the day, you know, if you don't have uh, the science together, that includes um, testing for quality control, that includes yeast management, you know, uh, water chemistry, yep. all things we take very seriously here. Um, it's just, uh, I don't know, it kind of just seemed like it fit better than just brewery. Yeah, no, for sure. It kind of stands out, makes you a bit unique. Yeah. Um, how else do you think you stand out in this area? I mean, I there's not many breweries in general, but yeah. how do you stand out? Uh, yeah, I mean, Louisiana, we're still a work in progress with breweries. We have a lot of great breweries here, and the scene is developing. Yeah. Um, um, uh, it's developing every year. Uh, but, you know, we struggle, you know, our state uh, has some uh, not so kind beer laws. But uh, in terms of us, you know, I think one thing, you know, we're taproom only. We yeah. don't distribute beer. You got to come here to get the beer. Yeah. Um, one of the things that allows me to do is it allows me to brew the types of beer I want to brew. Um, sure. We don't have flagship beers. Okay. Um, we have beers that will repeat every once in a while. Yeah. But we kind of have new fresh stuff. So when you come here... Uh, if you're here today and you come here in two months, our menu is going to look completely different. Yeah. And so that's there, cool. Yeah, there's a couple of styles we kind of like try to hang our hat on. Yep. I think one of them is kind of European Pilsner style nice. beers. Uh, other is mixed fermentation, both in stainless steel and in wood. Yep. Uh, and then we do, uh, you know, like a lot of breweries, we do the hoppy stuff as well. Right. Um, right. So, uh, so I think we're probably most well known for our. Um, kind of mixed fermentation, sour stuff, um, uh, our Pilsners and our IPAs. Yeah, for sure. I'm having the 11th theft right now, which is excellent. Yeah. It's exactly what I need right now. It's really good and light. Um, that's awesome. How do you, or actually better question, um, is there kind of a beer that New Orleans is kind of known for that everyone kind of goes towards? Or? Uh, well, I think there's, uh, historically what it's known for and what it's known for today. Historically, uh, New Orleans used to be an epicenter of beer pre-prohibition. There used to be a lot oh, okay. of huge breweries here. Um, so, uh, and then even post-prohibition, I think, you know, Falstaff, Dixie, yeah. um, some of these beers were big, like the regional style breweries that you would see. Okay. So, uh, you know, I think, uh, outside of New Orleans, um, I think, you know, Dixie and mm-hmm. Abita are what we're known for. Yeah. But I think as the scene has developed, I think, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of great IPAs being made in the city. Cool. Uh, and I think, you know, you're seeing a lot of great IPAs made in every corner of the country right now. Yeah, it's uh, never going away. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that that's no different here. I mean, yeah. you can uh, go all over the city of New Orleans right now, and there's um, small breweries and there's big production breweries, and they're making some good IPAs. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so your tablets seem pretty diversified. Do you find that you are able to sell kind of stouts and mm. porters, even though it's warm year round? <laughs> uh, the short answer is no. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, once summer hits, yeah. uh, selling a stout is really tough. Last yeah. year we did a blonde stout, um, which is kind of a mock stout. Um, okay. Uh, that sold pretty well, but you know, we are climate dependent. Um, sure. our, we have an oyster stout on right now. Um, and it just moves a lot slower in the summertime. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, I, you know, the two styles that I personally love to drink the most are Saison's and Pilsner's. And yeah, I think right. they're perfect for the New Orleans they climate. They seriously are. Uh, yeah. I mean, it gets uh, hot and sweaty in the city in the <laughs> summer and uh, love it or hate it. It's here. And yep. so yep. that thirst quencher, 
Uh, I think from the public's perspective, they also love the sours as well. And so mm, we sell definitely. a lot of sour beers as well, um, kind of especially the fruited sours. Yep. Again, people are looking for something refreshing in the summertime. Exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, we sell a lot of those, um, the Pilsners, Saisons, so, yep. and the sour fruited stuff in the summer. Very cool. So now if someone did want to take your beer to go, are you able to do growlers or can fills or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, we yeah, totally. We we uh we so we do crawlers to go, okay. 32 ounce crawlers. Cool. Um and then we have uh all of our mixed ferment fermentation stuff is uh in um uh, is all bottle conditioned. So I think we have like seven or eight different uh, varieties of uh bottles available. And then anything on tap, you can get a growler or crawler fill to go. Yeah. Awesome. It's good to know. And then how do you decide on what new beers to make? I know you said you're mm. kind of a home brewer before this. Do you take a lot of those recipes you've already made? I mean, at this point, it's been two years, so I'm sure you're kind of making new stuff at this point. But. Yeah, you know, uh, it's our beer, like a lot of breweries, it's a, it's a constant evolution. Yeah. And so I think it's kind of like where we are. And so um, where do we come up with new recipes? There's a lot of... Uh, you know, we're a small staff, but we're pretty tight. So I think there's a brain trust between yep. our entire staff. Yep. I try to, you know, this isn't a, uh, um, this isn't a top-down brewery, or at least I don't want it to be. And so <laughs> yeah. everyone yeah. here can have input on the styles of beer. And that comes down to the, uh, the, you know, the malt bills we have. Mm -hmm. You know, I was talking with Corey earlier today, who's uh, one of our brewers here. Um, and, you know, we were, he was, really wanted to put some red wheat in this saison and so i was like hell yeah let's right. do it yeah and so, let's try it out uh, awesome. but yeah you know it's a it's a mix um so i think for me uh there's a constant search of trying to like get better so especially mm, okay. with saison and pilsners um like hitting Such perfection perfect, on those beers yeah, is yeah. like maybe it's probably impossible and so always trying to refine things to kind of search for something a little bit better. And we're brewing a ton of saisons this summer that's going to go into oak and age uh, with different mixed cultures. And, uh, you know, it's uh, going to be a lot of waiting, but it's, you know, for me, I'm so like, worth it. yeah, what is the, <laughs> what's the malt bill? Yeah. What's the, what's the temp I should be mashing in at? Like, what is the, you know, what kind of bugs should I be pitching in here? <laughs> Do I, am I pitching the right Brett strain? Yeah, so, for uh, sure. You're There's always a lot that goes looking. into it. Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of thought, and so and that it's a, that is it all comes down to the design process. Yeah, uh, writing a recipe because once you start a brew day, uh, you know you've set you know you've set the beer into motion, and so right. stopping it in its train tracks, you know, it's you can't really do it. Right. And so, um, so you got to have a good, well thought out plan heading into the brew day. Definitely, definitely. Now, how many um, mixed fermentation barrels do you have here on site? Uh, we have close to 40 right now, and wow. uh, we're pretty small, tight space. Yeah, are you uh, hiding feet. them in the rafters here? Yeah, <laughs> we do have a second floor we'll, we'll eventually expand into. Cool, So cool. we have about 40, and we're probably pretty maxed out yeah. right now. So, But yeah, it's uh, there's 40 barrels, and of the 40, I think probably there's only four clean barrels, bourbon <laughs> barrels, and the rest yep, are yep. all uh, dirty barrels. And awesome. mostly, I mean, they vary from just kind of... Uh, um, kind of Brett saisons to then you know you know mixed firm stuff yeah. that has both lacto and PDO in it yeah. as well. Are you able to keep them separate at all, or do you worry about you know the bugs traveling? Uh, you know, <laughs> it's uh, maybe part of creating a je ne sais quoi. Yeah, there you uh, go. Carlo. There you go. Um, yep. No, we. I mean, we do have really tight cleaning practices Good. Um, That's because awesome. we do yep. a lot of pilsner brewing, for um, sure. And so we try to maintain really tight cleaning practices. But you know. Um, 
Uh, we luckily so far we haven't had any contamination issues. We also yeah. don't package to go, so true, I don't have, right? So it's always fresh. You don't have to yeah. Worry too I don't have any uh, bottles of Pilsner sitting yeah. on you know warm grocery store shelves. So <laughs> exploding um, or anything. Yep. Another yeah. <laughs> another maybe pro to the pro and cons of not distributing. Yeah. Now you were saying also distributing. It's for life here. You sign up when you're done. Yeah, so franchise law in Louisiana is uh, real tough against small breweries. Uh, kind of the way the law works here is uh, we're a three-tier state, so in order to distribute, you have to go through a distributor. Um, but another kind of wrinkle in our franchise law is beer contracts are kind of protected for life. And yep. So to get out of a beer contract is really hard. So, you know, for a small brewery that is trying to be mobile and maneuver, it's uh it's kind of a hard thing to ask a brewery to sign a lifetime yeah. contract uh, when you don't know what growth's going to look like. And you don't want to um, get stuck into a hole of making the same beer over and over if you're small, yeah. uh, especially if you know we're trying to create lots of new different things all the time. So it's just not a good fit for us right now, the way Louisiana laws are. You yep. know, if self-distribution were to pass tomorrow, I would <laughs> buy a candy machine Hand and down. I would right. you know, start getting our product out in the streets. But for now, you know, we're hyper small. So and wrong with that. we're That's just awesome. fine with that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So other than maybe that, are there other things in this industry, maybe just in Louisiana, that frustrates you? <laughs> frustrates yeah, me? Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, what keeps you up at night? <laughs> I don't know. You know, Louisiana, and much like New Orleans, is a yeah. love-hate kind of place. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, I think the city is the greatest city in the world. Um, and Louisiana is, a, you know, super diverse and incredible state to be in. But... You know, we are also stuck in, um, we're stuck in a region that is plagued with a lot of social problems. Um, sure. And so that, you know, I think just being in a region um, that struggles with, you, you know, it, whether it's race, uh, socioeconomic problems, uh, problems you hear that are, you know, stereotypical of mm-hmm. the, the deep south. Yeah. Um, you know, we live around that. It's a the most beautiful it's the most beautiful city and i i love this state but uh you know change is really slow down here and yeah. so um it's sometimes can be tough uh to be around that for sure for sure i can understand that so do you have any beers or any breweries that kind of inspire you hmm uh sure you know it's uh you know i mean probably an answer you hear a lot of people give but you know uh a really nice fresh pilsner urkel yeah you know, like you're saying is, yeah. yeah so yeah, for sure uh saison dupont um the orval i mean those beers are inspiring i think yeah. there's a ton of you know being a saison and pilsner lover um there's to see like this the american farmhouse scene mm-hmm. develop has i think probably been as inspiring as anything um to see you know Jester King hold hold it down in the South for yeah. creating some of the best beers yeah, in the world. Definitely. Um, and so to see those types of places open up, um, you know, I know up in the Northeast you guys have Hill Farmstead, mm-hmm. uh, um, <laughs> but and you go out west and there's breweries. Um, the the brewery. Well, there's the brewery. Yeah. Uh, you know the Holy Mountain guys up yep. in Seattle. Yep. Um, you know, Logsdon, there's just like some incredible places that are making really inspiring beers yeah. that for a long, long time, you know, have, you could only get in you know, Germany or Europe. Western Europe. Or, yeah, yeah. 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 And so, uh, so seeing, 
uh, those breweries develop. And then just like, uh, honestly, I say this uh, all the time because, you know, a lot of people ask me when they go to X city, where should I go? <laughs> yeah, uh, what brewery yeah. should I go to? Right. And honestly, you can go to almost any corner of this country right now and get fantastic yes. beer. Yes. It's, uh, you I know, there's that. those cult breweries out there that get a lot of face. They have of great course. marketing and yep. whatever. Yep. But there's so for every one of those, there's three or four mom and pop shops that are making world class beers. And I love totally. going to you could walk into not to pick on Wichita, but you could walk into <laughs> Wichita and Wichita is making freaking awesome beer right now. Well, so, noted. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's, uh, we'll be there next, folks. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can go to South Dakota and get amazing beer. Yeah. So, uh, I think it's cool to see kind of American brewing kind of evolve in such a incredible way. Yeah, for sure. I know we've loved to see the stories and how they develop here. It's pretty amazing. Um, to backtrack to the marketing you're just talking about, how do you feel about untapped? How do you sift through that noise? <laughs> Why don't you just come right out? Yeah, uh, let's just come right out with it. I think uh, we're friends out <laughs> You know, uh, I don't really have feelings. I know it's yeah. kind of a, it can be a controversial. Um, it's a love-hate kind uh, Yeah, of I'm thing. fine with it. <laughs> I personally don't interact with it okay. much. Okay. Uh, Corey, uh, who does brewing and taproom management for yep. us, he kind of interfaces it with it for the brewery. Gets the uh, out there. I don't, yeah, I don't... Um, I just don't mess around with social media stuff yeah. a ton in general. Um, so not in a good or bad way. I just don't. Yeah. Um, so untapped, uh, you know, we get a lot of people that come in here and they sit down and check in their beers. Uh, I think it's a cool way to record beers. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it allows people to kind of, it empowers people to kind of like own the beer they're drinking. Um, so, but I also understand from a, the brewery standpoint when you see a comment that you're like, what is this, what is this, what is this dude talking about? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I just roll my eyes and it's like, Hey, whatever. (laughs) He can say whatever he wants to say. Yep. Or she. Right. He or she. Awesome. All right. And to kind of bounce around a little bit, um, you're a home brewer. Have you had any kind of formal education or have you just been reading books and learning on your own kind of as you go to become where you are here? Yeah, again, so a little bit of both. Um, Like a lot of homebrewers that went pro, uh, you know, I nerded out on everything. I read all the books. Obsessed. uh, (laughs) Obsessed and, you know, filled our, our, uh, our shed in the back full to the brim with homebrew equipment. And so, uh, but then I also worked with, there's a, um, there's an incredible man in the beer industry called Tom Hennessy. Tom Hennessy owns a small brew pub out in uh, uh, Montrose, Colorado, okay. uh, in Ridgeway, Colorado, um, which is on the western slope. Uh, and it's called Colorado Boy. And he's opened up three or four different breweries over the course right. of his like yep. 30, 40 years around beer. Um, but over the course of those 30, 40 years, he's mentored um, a ton of young brewers, um, that were looking to open up small neighborhood style. Yeah. Uh, like he, he, he might've coined the term Frankenbrew, uh, kind of like <laughs> DIY yeah, in okay. uh, a brewery. Cool. I like that term. And so worked with Tom a little bit and him and his, uh, network of brewers that have opened breweries. Um, uh, I've worked closely with them. And so it is, uh, I think in the story of American Brewing, Tom Hennessy is maybe one of the most underrated uh, uh, people in yeah. developing uh, uh, the scene here uh, in this country. Um, he's just inspired a lot of people to 
open up small tap rooms or pubs in their, you know, in their cities or towns. Yeah. And so I worked with Tom and we still, yeah, I just saw him at CBC. Oh, um, awesome. A couple months ago. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's funny whenever you see him, he, there's a crowd of people around him because he's inspired so many young brewers yeah. to start their own brewery. That's really cool. Like, like it's part of the reason why we love this, you know, business. There's just so many cool people like that mm-hmm. who are inspiring and just helpful. You know, it's not about one brewery or the other being better. It's just about helping each other. Yep, Which and Tom Tom will answer any question you have about beer. That's There's no awesome. secrets in beer. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. So how is the um, beer scene evolving here? I know you were saying, saying it is evolving. <laughs> yep. Um, uh yeah, so, I mean, we have, uh, you know, there's only, uh, I don't know the exact number, but there's like 34 breweries in the state of Louisiana. We're like 48. Sounds so small. Yeah, such it, a large It is so state, small. Yeah. Um, and so there's a long way to go. And part of the reason to that is for the laws. So I think uh, on the brewery side, we're seeing some, we're seeing some production breweries like really establish um, uh, like a strong reputation outside of Louisiana. So breweries like Parish. Um, which is famous for Ghost in the Machine and a lot of their yeah. other hoppy beers. Uh, Urban South is really making some some headway. You have Abita, obviously, but Great Raft up in Shreveport. Yep. Um, you know, these are breweries, uh, and Bayou Tesh as well. Uh, these are production breweries that have really grown at a really strong rate, and we're seeing re- them put out some really good beers. And so seeing the production scene kind of really develop here and beers leaving the state, because yeah. um, for a long time it was just you could only get Abita. Louisiana yeah. <laughs> was a beta. Uh, nice. So it's still, you know, Louisiana is still is a beta. Yeah. Um, but now there's also these other breweries as well. Um, but I think you're going to see more and more, like a lot of places, more and more small places like us. That's what yeah. I would like to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're the only brewery in our side of town. Um, Brewery is pretty close. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it'd be nice to have a few other people near us. Um, I feel like more like a destination. I feel like right now you're all kind of sporadically yeah so i mean um yeah we're deep down here in the bywater and so um i think you'll see more and more smaller breweries open up and i think as we see more of those small breweries up hopefully we can put some uh get get organized and put some pressure on the uh the state legislature to kind of uh, uh modernize our beer laws because our beer laws are from a different era yeah yeah for sure so um Speaking towards that, I had a question. What was I going to ask? Oh, yes, trends. <laughs> um, what do you think is the next trend coming along? I mean, obviously mm. we talked about IPAs are obviously crazy popular still, but mm-hmm. what else, I guess, maybe do you want to see or do you see trending? Uh, well, I think here locally, I think just t- I want to see taproom culture yeah. uh, kind of continue to uh uh, evolve. I know that's not like a beer trend, um, but you know, <laughs> that's all right. That works. No, you go to you go to. I mean, I know you go to the Northeast. You you go to Boston, and you go to tap rooms are filled all the yeah, time, yeah. and we do great. But I think uh, like creating that tap room culture here, I think will become a trend here. Yeah. Um, so on the beer side, um, you know. IPAs, the the evolution of the IPA, obviously the hazy juices are here. Um, I think continued experimentation with them. I think you're seeing more and more like tiki style IPAs. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, we have a sour IPA on right now that's really popular. We've been uh, seeing more of those up north too. Yeah. Sour so, IPA. Um, so I think tweaking the IPAs. 
Uh, I hope you hear this every year, and I, uh, I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I think the continued popularity of like lager brewing. Um, we keep saying summer of Kolsch. <laughs> we keep so, hoping. Oh, man, I hate. <laughs> I love Kolsch's, but yeah, they're frustrating to brew. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I think lager. I mean, like I said, we love to make European style pilsners, but yep. continue to like kind of push the envelope for lager brewing. Yeah. Um, I think you're seeing some world class lagers being brewed all over, and so I think, um, you know, here locally, you know, Urban South has really gone hard on creating a an easy drinking, super affordable, uh, lager beer. Yep. Uh, you know, it's called paradise park. And I think you see, you know, I go to parties all the time now and I see that everywhere. So, yep. uh, kind of bringing that lager brewing back. So, um, so yeah, we'll see. Um, I hope so because I love drinking <laughs> lagers. So yeah, especially um, like we were saying around here, it's really just the perfect beer for this kind of weather i feel mm-hmm. like you know yeah totally. um but is it more difficult to brew those here in this weather uh, i mean everything's in a controlled environment so i would say it might cost us a little more because our yeah. energy uh, in the <laughs> summer are, uh, costs yeah. a little bit more yeah. uh no i don't think so i don't okay. i don't think the weather is what makes it harder to brew them i think it's just the difficulty of brewing lagers in general okay. um you know, they, you gotta be patient with them. You know, you need to ferment them slow and low. Um, you need to have proper diacetyl rests and you gotta lager them. Uh, and you need to refine your palate for them as well. So, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I just mentioned diacetyl. Not every person (laughs) is sensitive to it, but having someone on staff around you that can like really pick it out. Yep. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, we can run tests for it, but I think just having refined palettes for it um, uh, are important. So we definitely dive into the lager brewing a lot. And so um, the more you do it, the more you get used to it. But yeah, it's. And that's that, guys. All right. Um, do you guys do like a sensory nights then here for like your staff? To kind of help train we have uh, in the past i mean we're a really yeah. small staff so yeah, i think our, our sensory much, training but. is uh um i think probably pretty more low-key um but yeah i mean we're constantly tasting all the time um you know i mean we have beers that will stay on tap for a little while and so i think just always staying on top of that um but yeah we we do um yeah. and i think again making sure you have a diverse palate inside of your brewery is really important for sure um so because the way i taste things and the way i want things to be isn't how everyone tastes things Uh, and so having that diversity is really important yeah so i was looking around what is the uh trust the process (laughs) term i've been seeing here and there uh well i'm not from philadelphia i know it's a saying that a lot of people from philadelphia say (laughs) yeah uh you know it's something that goes back i've been saying for a long long time trust the process i think uh and it just kind of fit here my friends had this sign made for me because i say it so much nice um you know when you're making beer um you know there's a lot of trusting the process (laughs) and when you're building yeast and hope it works yeah (laughs) but also it's kind of become like a mantra of my life yeah and it's uh you know, starting a small business is incredibly hard. Like going through, you know, there's a lot of different parts of life that are hard and, you know, I'm lucky to have an awesome support network around me. Um, and I think sometimes when you, things get stressful or anxiety goes a little higher than normal. Um, I think kind of reminding yourself to trust the process to kind of like trust, like, 
you know, life's going to figure itself out. Um, I've, uh, you know, I have 38 years of uh, experience here and lots of support around me. And I, you yeah. know, I think it's huge. Everything's going to be yeah. okay. So yeah, exactly. We'll figure it, it out. So and <laughs> applying that inside of the brew house, especially since we do so much mixed fermentation stuff and you're <laughs> yeah. kind of, you know, sometimes, you know, you're crossing your fingers. Out, right. You know, right. So, uh, because when you do mix from, uh, uh, you have an idea fermenting. where it might turn out. Yeah, but. well, things don't always go as <laughs> yeah, planned. So, yeah. you know, there are, sometimes there's you can clean a barrel and steam a barrel as perfectly as all of the standard operating procedures tell yep. you to. And there can still be a little microbe hiding out in a piece of wood. And yeah. um, it can screw a barrel over. So, right, right. Uh, anyways, um, so trusting the process. And, hey, sometimes things don't work out. Yeah. For yeah, sure. It's okay. So I've been hearing a lot, too, about um, Kavik yeast. Kavik yeast, I guess. Something we call like it Kavike. Kavike, yeah, thank know. you. Yeah. That's probably better. Yep. <laughs> Are you experimenting with that here? Just because, you know, you can't oh, yeah. ferment at such high temperatures. Yeah. Um, uh, we do use. We've used uh, a few different types. Um, we actually, it's our, our house strain for making IPAs. It's oh, a Kavike strain. Awesome. Cool. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's... Uh, Honestly, for homebrewers out there, I think it's like the perfect homebrew yeah. uh, <laughs> yes. yeast. Uh, yep. It, you know, it attenuates like a beast really fast, and you don't need temperature control on it. Uh, so yeah, we've uh, experimented it with both clean and uh, dirty beers, yep. and so um, and there's a bunch of different strains out there, and there's just more and more being found for sure. Um, so the beer you're drinking right now, Love and Theft, you know, we call it a Lithuanian farmhouse yep. because it kind of like defies a category but it's a you know it's a yeast strain uh from uh you know from a small brewery in lithuania that omega has the javaru strain yeah. uh and it ferments at a really high temperature as well um i don't know if it's technically a kvike but i think it lives in a similar similar family yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and it attenuates like a beast um but it produces these really cool. It's like more on the lemon phenolic saison. That's what I was thinking. Like it is Belgian-y yep. uh, side of things rather than a lot of the Kvikes are just hardcore fruits, like uh, <laughs> either yeah. the citrus side or the stone fruit side. Yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, I, you know, when you say trends in the beer industry, I think inside of brew houses, I think Kvike yeast has taken the brewing industry by Seems storm. Seems to be growing, for sure. I mean, it's yeah. uh, for a production brewery, like, you can ferment a beer out in almost half the time yeah. uh, to be ready for packaging. It produces an incredible beer, uh, yeah. and it's a really resilient strain. So you can underpitch it, you can overpitch it. That's awesome. And, like, it just, like, loves to, like, it just Get loves it to up. ferment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just loves to ferment, <laughs> so. How long have you been using it for, then? I, mean, uh, I, I don't know. In my mind, like in the homebrew world, it seems fairly new, mm -hmm. but I could be wrong for. Uh, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I don't know. We've been using it for about a year and a half. Okay, that's so. kind of what I expect, actually. So yeah, yeah. so yeah. Cool. yeah, maybe a year and a half, and yeah. we've used it in a lot of different ways. Yeah, um, and we'll continue using it. So I think it makes an incredible IPA. Um, so. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, and I, I think uh, we're just kind of scratching the surface. I mean, we're finding yeah. uh, there are labs uh, finding new strains of these Kvike strains all the time. I know that uh, Bootleg Biology just came out with recently. Uh, they got a strain from a brewery in Oslo, uh, and it's actually a bottom fermenting 
uh, yeast. Oh, uh, okay. So creates really clean lager-like beers. Yeah. But ferments in the 90s really fast. <laughs> um, and so uh, I think they bootleg biology actually calls it Oslo. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's these new strains, and it's kind of cool seeing just these boutique labs mm -hmm. pop up all over the country. Sure. I know in the Northeast, it's Maniacal. I think they're in Maine. Yeah. Uh, they, have an familiar. they have an incredible library of different strains. And so um, it's, again, on. Um, Inside of the brew house, it's really awesome to see these different uh, yeast labs uh, kind of pop up. You know, we we use several different labs depending on what we're looking for. Yep. Um, you know, we use Omega. We've used Inland Island out of Colorado, um, which gives us some awesome strains of yeast. Cool. Um, so bootleg biology, um, which uh, if you've uh, never... Uh, used a bootleg biology strain, especially if you're a home brewer, you should. All right. Uh, Jeff, Jeff Mello, he's out of <laughs> Tennessee. Um, uh, uh, his bank of uh, different unique strains is pretty incredible. That's so. awesome. So kind of continuing with the beer here, you have an Italian Pilsner. So mm. do you do a lot of your beers? Kind of not specific towards country, I guess, but is that kind of a theme? And how do you, like, what makes an Italian Pilsner? Uh, yeah, we've kind of not on purpose, but a lot of our Pilsners have been like country themed. Yeah. <laughs> um, our most well-known Pilsner is a Czech Pilsner. Okay. Um, we call it Chuck Pilsner. Nice. Um, uh, and then, uh, the Italian Pilsner, it's a hundred percent Italian barley, the okay. Ericlan malts. Cool. Uh, so, cool. and, um, uh, Italy is having their own Pilsner kinda, renaissance yeah, right now. Yeah, resurgence. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, our Italian Pilsner is finishes really dry, um, has a, a decent hop profile, like a, uh, um, hops are definitely there, similar to like a Czech style. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, the air clay and malt that is out of Wireman, it's grown in a really arid climate in northern Italy, which is kind of unique to barley because most barley is grown in humid environments okay um so it just produces a beautiful like sweet pilsner uh flavor that or malt flavor that we just love and so i've i don't know i kind of you know got it on a whim one time and we made a <laughs> beer and i was like Oh, shit, amazing. this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so we've used it but uh but we've done you know uh German Pilsners. We have a Czech Pilsner coming out in like a week. So yeah. uh, it's just kind of happened that way. But we don't make country specific. We yeah, make just, okay. just, well, we'll call just something a Pilsner happens. or a lager. <laughs> I mean, we use a Pilsner, uh, uh, a couple, two different Pilsner strains of yeast. Yep. Um, so, uh, but yeah, we are playful. You know, we make cool. I, a lot of IPLs or pale lagers as yep. well. Yep. Um, so, which has been a lot of fun. Definitely. So you have a great outdoor space. You have an awesome mm. indoor space. What's next for you guys? You were kind of talking about growing up, I believe, right? You have an upstairs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, growth for us, again, until laws change, we're probably not going dis to distribute much. So yeah. um, growth for us will be a couple things. Uh, one, we're going to continue to um, we're going to continue to develop our barrel program. Um, okay. Uh, but yeah, our outdoor space, um, we have an upstairs, a 2000 square foot space upstairs that nice. we're going to turn into a barrel room. Okay. And cool. so, uh, just to kind of continue in that direction, uh, and that barrel room will also serve as, it'll be a dual purpose space. Yep. So the barrel room will also be additional like tap room and or event space as well. Awesome. 
Um, so, and then for us, like continuing, because we are a neighborhood brewery, continuing to develop our relationship with our neighborhood, with yeah. the Bywater, um, and then our adjacent neighborhoods and the Marigny and, uh, and in what way do you do that? Do you like hold events here for that kind of stuff? Yeah. You know, we try to host, uh, as many community groups as possible. Okay. Um, cool. that could be anywhere from neighborhood associations to local nonprofits yeah. in the neighborhood. Um, you know, uh, try to support them as much as possible. Uh, you know, event space and rental space can be really expensive, especially for I people, um, for groups that don't have a lot of money. Yeah. So being able to have, because we have such a large outdoor space, being able to allow them to use that, you know, that's awesome. You know, most yeah, times at no cost, yeah. uh, is awesome. So kind of continuing to develop that relationship, yeah. you know, like a lot of urban areas, there's a lot of development happening, uh, growth happening. Uh, our neighborhood is no different. Our neighborhood is hundreds of years old, and so <laughs> there's a lot of history. Isn't that all of New Orleans? I don't yeah, know. <laughs> pretty much. So, uh, like, literally, you can dig a two foot, foot hole in the in the city, and you don't know what you're gonna find. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the city is an amazing culture. So continuing to infuse ourselves into it. Um, yeah. You know we. Uh, you know we. Uh, we host, uh, you know, there's a lot of parades in New Orleans. Uh, we host one, <laughs> yep. we host the beginning of one of them here. Oh, cool. It's a, the annual Krampus cr- parade. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. but, uh, yeah, continuing to kind of like, uh, just kind of, uh, uh, become, more prevalent, uh, I guess, in the community or... Yeah, we want yeah. to be a socially responsible, yeah. you know, a community-friendly uh, business. Yeah. And so that's, you know, one of the things most... Imp- is as important as making great beer, um, being uh, uh, a good business yeah. is equally as important. And so uh, for us, like, growth means, like, continuing to grow with the neighborhood. Yeah. So... That's awesome. I love to hear that kind of stuff. So... Yeah, I mean... It's really it, cool. And I think, uh, you know... We're seeing, I think, kind of like one of the more popular types of breweries right now are these smaller community breweries. I agree with that. I love a good watering hole that's not really trying to make... I mean, obviously, you need to make money, but you're not <laughs> like... need to make money. Right, but you're not like... That's not your focus, right? And I, I love seeing that. Yeah, so uh, I think it's, uh, you know, um, and I... I'm kind of stealing this from Tom Hennessy, <laughs> but right. you know, I think he's said like every town, every neighborhood doesn't matter how big or small it is should have its own brewery yes. um, or watering yes. hole. And so there's no reason it can't. And so, uh, there used to be a day when that was pre prohibition. That's mm-hmm. how it was. Totally. And so, um, you know, we're not trying to take over the world at Parlow. Um, we're <laughs> trying to make great beer in the Bywater yeah. and people that want to come by and, you know, exchange that social capital here uh we we love that it's one of the things i love the most about the city of new orleans is um as important as monetary capital is social capital is Mm -hmm. equally as important you know people live on the streets here they don't live inside of their houses and so um having a space where people can come and socialize and hang out and uh, is really important Definitely. I do love that culture about breweries that you can come down. I mean, that's why I love coming to breweries when I travel because I don't know anyone, right? And it's great to come to these kind of places and just talk to whoever is there. We threw you, know? you into the mash this yeah, morning. Yeah, exactly. So. And that was awesome. I you love being, you, can come you know. By and we said, yeah, yeah. you want to mash it? So. <laughs> and it was great. I love being welcomed like that. You know, I just love the community. It's 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 amazing. And I think it's really unique. Um, 
So kind of coming to a close here, I always like to know, what is in your fridge at home? Mm. Other than ketchup and... <laughs> uh, I do have Pilsner Kell in, Ooh, the, nice. in the fridge. Yep, um, yep. What do I have in the fridge? I have... I have a sour beer from Indeed Brewing uh, Ooh, from okay. Minneapolis nice. that uh, I haven't opened yet. Um, kind of in a natural wine phase right now. All I got right. a couple natural wines in what there. What is natural wine? Uh, it's uh, wine that's usually for you know, like naturally fermented. Oh, okay. The yeast that's on that's its cool. skins. Yeah. 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 Nice. Um, so beer-wise... Uh, so, what else do I have in my fridge? That is a good question. <laughs> uh, a lot of baby food. We have a one-year-old. There's a lot of baby food in yep, there. Yep. Um, so, uh, that's a good question. I have a bunch of saisons. Probably, I have a bunch of saisons in there. Okay. I have a Holy Mountain in there. I have a Jester King in there. Yep. Um, what else do I have in there? Uh, I think I have a Wild Mind from Minnesota in there. I have a connection to Minnesota. Okay. My fa- most of my family, yes. a lot of my family's from. Yes. <laughs> uh, so that's usually what I'm keeping in my fridge. When I leave work and I order a beer, I would say about 70% of the time it's a Pilsner or yep. lager. Yep. <laughs> uh, the other 20% of the time it's probably in the Saison family. Yep. And then the other 10% is just a wild card. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> wild card. So, I like it. I feel myself entering an English phase soon. So I, I feel like in general, I don't know what's happening a lot. I find it with myself too. I've been ordering more Pilsners and just lighter, mm-hmm. easy drinking beers. I had a super inspirational beer um, a couple months back that a friend brought me from the Seattle area, uh, Machine House. Um, okay. They're in Seattle, but yeah. they make this English mild that is one of the best beers, honestly, that I've ever had. It's wow. just like a really, really Noted. great beer. Take all that down, uh, And <laughs> again, it just took that one English mild to make me uh, want to get into uh, or just that. kind of explore like yeah. English styles. Yeah. Um, so, I mean... Yeah, we'll there's see. not enough of that in the beer industry. I feel like as well. Yeah, one of the you don't my, find many English miles. <laughs> no, I mean one of the first styles I fell in love with homebrewing was uh, ESBs. And yeah, so, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think um, we've made ESBs here. Okay, so um, cool. You know, making beers here, I make the beers I want, but also it's a balance of making beers the public will drink versus again you have to make some money. Projects, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. All right, so then kind of along those lines, what's your guilty pleasure beer? my guilty pleasure beer yeah like i don't know mm. so some breweries go for like a bud light or whatever oh uh, i see <laughs> or something else i don't know what do you go to you know i mean oh man that's a good question <laughs> uh my here. wife's family's from colorado okay uh, my wife actually grew up in golden nice so you know cracking open a, a banquet you know, yeah. you know, I, there's uh, there's every once in a while I'll I'll crack open a banquet beer for sure. So um, nothing wrong with that. It's uh, yeah. I mean, I uh, as much as I don't love big beer trying to destroy, of course, uh, my uh, uh, the industry. Um, uh, it, any brewer would probably. You know, I, there aren't a lot of brewers I know yeah. that, you know, don't have that guilty pleasure. Exactly. So, uh, Everyone does. That's why we ask this question. Yeah, just yeah. Just to see. Uh, you know? It doesn't happen often just because I'm not honestly around it a lot. But yeah. 
uh, you know, during Jazz Fest around here, um, you know, Miller Coors has like the sponsorship for Jazz Fest. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so it's hard to get like a good beer there. And yeah. so, you know, like when it's 90 degrees out at Jazz Fest, you, you know. You just want something water. You get a nice cold banquet beer. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I usually don't go for the light beers. Um, but, uh, you know. Cool. A Coors original. Yeah. You know, <laughs> for hell, sure. Why not? Exactly. All right, so where can the people find you on social media and your physical location? Uh, yeah, socially, social media. I mean, it's just Parlo Beer Lab at okay. most formats. So Parlo is spelled P-A-R-L-E-A-U-X. Thank you for that because uh, no one back home is going to know how to yeah, spell that. Yeah, <laughs> Parlo Beer Lab in New Orleans. Uh, yeah, we're located at 634 Lesep Street uh, in the Bywater neighborhood. Uh, you know, we're just a, a mile, mile or two from the French Quarter. Uh, and from yep. downtown. Uh, so, yeah. And uh, we're always putting out new stuff. Uh, we, you know, release about a new beer every week. And so cool. um, and that's, you know, sometimes it's a barrel-aged beer. Or sometimes it's not. And yeah. so, um, yeah. Awesome. And then lastly, I swear this is the last question. <laughs> what are you most proud of? And that can mm. be beer-related. That can be family-related. Whatever. The most proud of? Uh our hardest question i swear yeah i don't know it's a loaded question uh i don't know uh just what comes to the top of my head i think uh um i think probably i'm the most proud of like our staff that we have here at parlo yeah uh we are really small and it was a ton of work to get this place open starting how many staff do you have uh, it's very small. We have like six people that work here. <laughs> That's awesome. um, but it also yeah. means we ask our staff to do a lot. Yep. Um, and I think any small business owner can relate to uh, just having a supportive staff around here. Uh, I mean, Corey, who's standing on the brew deck right now, has yes, he's been doing all the work. brewed, <laughs> he's washed kegs, he's served beers, he's changed yep. beer lines, yep. he has cleaned up trash in the back. And so having a staff that is... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm really proud of the, the, the staff we have <laughs> yeah. here and uh, the culture we've established. Um, it's uh, it's really, really hard to open a brewery. It's really hard to run a small business. For sure. Uh, and you need good people around you, and I'm really fortunate to have uh, um, an awesome staff around me. So Awesome. Well, thank you for the last-minute interview here this morning. Yeah. This was great, and having me come in for the mash-in. That was yeah. super awesome. Thanks for helping us mash-in our saison. Anytime. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, until next time, cheers. Yeah, cheers. Hey, guys. Thank you once again to listening to another episode. Uh, we love this episode that Erica did solo with Woo-hoo. Parlo Brewing Company in Nolens, Nolens. Louisiana. Nolens. Um, and major shout out to Eric. Uh, you guys are killing it down there. It makes me want to visit the Nolens beer scene even more. Um, and not to mention the food down there is amazing. Favorite chips, favorite chips, Matt. Yeah. Those zaps, baby. Those zaps. Um, yeah, but we could not do this podcast without our amazing listeners who share the episode, tell people, um, like us on social media, send us words of encouragement emails uh so i just wanted to take an opportunity and thank you we had an amazing month last month with listener wise and we got the numbers where they should be because they went down and i understand why summertime baby. summertime Ooh. but it's the fall the best beers coming out and we have some fucking kick ass episodes for you uh so if you're listening to this episode um before on friday 
in the morning, we are going up to um, Allagash today. Allagash, yeah. So if yeah. you want to yeah. sh- <laughs> if you want to shoot us a quick DM before <laughs> do it 1 p.m., we will be able to ask Allagash that question. Yeah, we've gotten countless ones already, and we're going to be sharing some of your questions with them. But uh, Allagash is our biggest get, and that would not be able to we would not be able to get that without you guys. Rating, subscribing, like us on social media, because fortunate, unfortunately, breweries look at that stuff, and that's important for them. Yeah. So it's it's just like uh, a plumber. Yeah. You know, it's if you have. No, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious. If you if there were three reviews, right? The better the rating, the better. Exactly. If you had, you know, option A having 25 star reviews, option B having two three star reviews, and option, option three, three having no yep. reviews, you're gonna choose option one yeah and it really goes a long way yeah uh so make sure you do that and uh follow us on all social medias and look out for an episode next week featuring four star farms and if you guys don't know what four star farms is you are in for an awesome episode well it's gonna be a treat because we are talking to one of massachusetts exclusive hop farms and it is a beautiful beautiful area and we love liz latoli like what she up? is amazing. And uh, it was an awesome interview. She's just so full of energy, and it was, it was a great, great interview. So um, until Stay next tuned. week. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. Au revoir.